blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I just felt like the Lord was saying, you guys are a group that hunger and thirst. And because of that, God's going to, he's going to fill you. It's important to have spiritual hunger. And sometimes uh, I I think the same way that, uh, you know, usually when people aren't hungry physically, it's because they're sick. And in the same way, spiritually, it's, it, it goes hand in hand. When you, when you find that you don't want to be involved in spiritual things and you're not hungry and you're not seeking, it could be because there, there's, a, there's a sickness going on in our spirits. And so spiritual hunger is a, it's a, it's a descriptor sort of a, or a sign of spiritual health. So it's important that we stay hungry, that we stay thirsty for the things of God. I tell you one thing, the thing that I want to talk about tonight specifically, and we'll get into some stuff and we'll pray together and do a few different things. But I want to talk about uh, intercession, prayer and intercession. We talked about prayer some on, on Sunday and dealt with some of those issues. But, uh, but I want to talk about intercession, which we laid a little bit of the groundwork for intercession Sunday. And really, really what intercession is to a large degree is it's a specific form of prayer. Like if you read in the New Testament, you've got all kinds of different types of prayer. They say that there are 11 different types of prayers listed in Scripture. And one of them is intercession. And intercession is kind of like it means that you stand in the gap on behalf of some other person, some other place, some other area that you are coming before God and saying, I'm praying for this person or this place or this situation or this thing. I'm standing in the gap on behalf of this person. That's what intercession is. And it's it's obviously very important. But part of what intercession is, is that when you come to God and he's you, you come to an understanding that really we are in warfare. Everybody agree with that. Amen. Like the world's sort of messed up. If you really look at it, people, people are struggling with some stuff. There's some bad things going on. The majority of the world is under the influence of the wicked one to a large degree. The scripture says, and they don't know Jesus. They don't know the Lord. And then we've been given this mandate by God to basically come into agreement with him and get battle plans from him and then enforce those battle plans. I mean, the Lord has actually decided that how his will is going to be played out in the earth is through his body, through his church. So you can't really just sit back and say, well, the Lord take care of whatever he wants to do. He'll take care of it. We'll sit around and eat tater chips. You know, I mean, really his his plan is the church. His plan is the church. And so if we don't come into agreement with what God wants to do and carry out his plan, then it's not going to get done. But intercession understands that we're in this spiritual war and we're coming to God in order to get his battle plans and entering into that war. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you guys, the familiar passage of Scripture, verses 3 through 6, it says, Though we walk in the flesh or we walk in physical bodies, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not natural or carnal weapons, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, you can talk about strongholds in a variety of different ways. One thing that you can say about strongholds is based on those scriptures is that it's arguments, it's thoughts, it's, it's, it's ways of thinking that get in a person's mind that begin to take them down a destructive path. And he says that one of the ways that we pull down these strongholds is we start to learn how to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And he actually even says that there, when, when the demonic is at work, it exalts itself against the knowledge of God's. There's thought patterns that begin to exalt themselves and put themselves in the forefront in people's minds. But here, when, when you look at that on a broader scale, let's put it like this. So you have individuals, let's say in Clay County in a geographic region. And, and 
for the most, we all think differently. But if you were, now you would agree with me on this statement. The way people think in Clay County and say go to Louisville or Lexington and the way they think there, would you agree that in, at large it's different? And even negatively, in a negative sense, there you, you start to see, well, they, they, you can start to pinpoint like specific things. Now, I want you to understand this, that, that the scripture says that Satan, it gives a title for him in Ephesians 2. One of his names is the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air. Now, put it like this. When you think about you think about air, you think about the atmosphere. And even in the air, there's there's a, you, you could look at it. That, that word is used sometimes in like in the Greek. It was used for, for even even discussing like weather patterns, like a, a wind currents and different things like that. So Paul says this. He says one time he said, whether this dude was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He's speaking about himself. He said, such a man was caught up into the third heaven. I mean, what in the world's the third heaven, Paul? I mean, how many heavens there are there? Well, most scholars will say it like this, that the first heaven is the visible sky and the stars that you can see. You go outside, you look at the heavens, you see the stars, you see the clouds, you see all that. That's the first heaven. The third heaven, we know based on where Paul went, was, was where, uh, where God's throne is. He saw things that were not lawful to be uttered, not, not even lawful to be spoken. The second heaven is the intermediary between those two things, between the natural and between God's dwelling place. Right here in this world, there is an unseen realm. Okay? And that unseen realm where Satan rules from and where principalities and powers and angels and demons are at war in the spirit is that second heaven. And that's what he says. He's the prince of the power of the air. In other words, in the spiritual currents that are flowing, he is actually trying to maintain dominion and rule over the earth through those spiritual currents that are flowing. Right. So he, he's, he's trying to do that. Now, if you if you come into Clay County, you come even into a church or you walk into a building. You can sometimes sense in the spirit the negativity or the fear or the anxiety or the bondage or whatever it is because there's a certain spiritual current over that place. Now, now I wanted to I want to say this in a way that maybe we can we can understand because there's spiritual forces that create a prevailing atmosphere over a region. And there's oppression, there's heaviness there's asso that's associated with sin and poverty and addiction or division. And, and we create alliances with thoughts and with ideas. And, and here's, one of the things I want to say is this. Think about this. In the very end of time, when Jesus comes back, you know how difficult it's going to be to bind Satan up? It's going to be very simple. One angel is going to do it. One angel. Out of the 375 billion of them that there are, I mean, I don't know how many of them there are. I imagine there's a lot. There's more than there are us, I'm sure. But out of all the, the angels that there are, one of them's going to be sent to bind him up and chain him. So it's not even a difficult thing, which leads me to the question as to why in the world does not Michael, the archangel right now, just go over to, to Satan, snap his neck and just walk on? Like, I mean, that's, that's what I would have happen. Why doesn't he do that? And I'll tell you why. It's the same reason we were talking about Sunday morning is on the earth, God has given man dominion and authority and he cannot overrule man's agreement because it's the way he's designed the earth. As long as human beings are in agreement with Satan, he has a measure of legal right and access. You understand? 
So he can't just come in and snap his neck. Matter of fact, in order for an angel to begin to truly go to war with the principalities that are over Clay County, we have to renounce and break agreement with those principalities in Clay County. Because as far as they're concerned, they have a legal right to enforce addiction, to enforce poverty, to enforce com- uh, uh, confusion, to enforce whatever else. As far as they're concerned, we got, they say we got a legal right to be here. As, the church is not praying and everybody else is doing drugs. So they're saying we got a legal right to be here. And as far as the angels coming out against us, they are here to partner and be ministers alongside of you. And you're not praying in order to release them into those battles. You say, well, Clay, that doesn't make sense. It's probably not biblical. In Daniel chapter 10, he is praying and fasting for 21 days. And on the 21st day, three weeks of praying and fasting, the angel Gabriel finally appears and says, hey, Daniel. We have come because of your words. We've come because of your intercession, because of your prayer and fasting. And he said, we came as soon as you started to pray, but we were resisted by what? The prince of Persia, a a demonic principality that is influencing the governmental realm over the area of Persia. That literally means there's a principality that is over the United States and there are smaller levels of authority in various regions. And in our region, there would be, you could see it from a demonic level, there, 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 you, could, you can almost list them just by what's going on, right? You can see where there's perversion or you can see, and in, in ours, it's, 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 uh, their poverty is a big one. Addiction and the spirit of bondage, uh, the spirit of religion, Right. And 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 wrong beliefs spiritually. There's all kinds of wrong beliefs and there's there's religious bondage in our area like crazy. It gets in people's minds and and it affects them and they're not free. So even when they're free from drugs and alcohol, they're not free from religion. And they end up believing all kinds of crazy things and having crazy beliefs about God. But these principalities are over our over our region. And the only thing, we have to, by the word of God, pray the truth back into these areas. But see, these demons, for example, like I said, as far as they're concerned, they have legal right. And until somebody stands into the gap and begins to pray and intercede, they, they, they're, they're, there's, there's going to be a prevailing push over these things. Uh, Proverbs 21, 22 in the, in the Passion Translation Y'all ain't got that, so it ain't going to read nothing like it. You know how that, some of them Bible versions, they just go over into their own realm. I like that. <laughs> well, this is one of those verses where he just decided to go over into his own realm. And he says this, A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases regional breakthrough. Now, it does say something very close to this in your translation. It talks about how he ascends, he scales the walls of the mighty and brings down the stronghold, right? But, but he says, A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases regional breakthrough, bringing down the strongholds of the mighty. I believe that this is really referring to, to prayer and intercession, that in the spirit realm, we begin to understand the things that are binding up our churches, that are binding up our people. I mean, here's the thing. We got people in our church, just, just in our community, in my opinion, spiritually speaking, I know people got a lot of things to do, but there should be no reason why when we call a meeting like this, this place should not be packed and miracles should not be happening. That's just the truth. That people should not be coming in off the streets and getting delivered. But see, why is it that those things don't happen? 
Because somehow or another, there's this pressure in the air, in the atmosphere that says you're too busy. There's too many things going on in your life. You're depressed to begin with. Who wants to get involved in that? And, and, and before long, you're just slowly blinded and discouraged until, until people aren't hungry anymore. They become spiritually dull. And there is a dullness. And, you know, there, matter of fact, in Scripture, if you read different spirits that are at work, there is a spirit of slumber in Scripture. You ever heard of that? There's a spirit of, of slumber that, that actually begins to put a spiritual dullness and a sleepiness on people so that they're not able to engage in warfare anymore. And they're not, they're not actively seeing what God wants to do. And man, it's important that we start to, we start to open our eyes to that so that people can come awake and alert to that. But, but, but we, we can ascend through prayer and begin to release regional breakthrough. I believe that our prayers are, have the effectiveness to push back the darkness enough so that people can come awake. You know, I, I've had people that come to me and, and, and I, I will teach them for years, two years, three years, four years, and then all of a sudden they come to me and they're like, man, how is it? I've been hearing it this long, but now it's just clicking. It's just making sense. They got a veil over their eyes. They've been praying. We've been praying interceding for people for three or four years and all of a sudden something finally breaks what happens when it breaks over a region? What happens when it breaks over a, a, a community at large? And it be, I mean, that's, that's, what you, that's when people talk about revival, that's what they're seeing. They're seeing the demonic being pushed back in such a degree that now that, that prevailing atmosphere that's blinding everybody, they can see all of a sudden. And they're wondering, why in the world ain't we been going to church the whole time? Why in the world we, have we not been seeking God this whole time? There's something going on. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, I, I think I mentioned this the other day. I like the, these verses here, though. It says, Paul says, I exhort first of all. So basically he's saying when you get together, the first thing that should happen is that supplications, prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, political leaders, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, if you pay attention to what we're talking about, basically saying over, over a community, a city, over a nation, there is a prevailing atmosphere that is pushing people into blindness and into darkness. Now, even if you look at it, if you, I mean, if you were to turn on the news tonight, you would see ideas that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God being thrown out on a daily basis. And Satan, right, well, we, we know that ultimately God places people into position and stuff like that. But here's what you got to understand. God has taught us that we are to intercede because we're to pray that these leaders, these leaders in position are to be influenced by the Spirit of God so that we could live a quiet and a peaceable life. And he says not only that, but what's tied into us praying over our leaders and stuff is that they would get saved, they would be filled with the Spirit of God. And if that begins to happen, it so begins to influence the culture that it becomes easy for all men and women to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It becomes much easier. Right now it's a difficult place that we're in. And I believe, I believe this. I mean, in our churches, this is my, this is my, and I believe God spoke this to me about whenever I first got here at this church. And I've always believed this, but, but even in our church, a lot, there's a lot that God wants to do, but we will never see it happen until we have this thing of prayer and intercession down. It's just, we're not, we're not going to see it happen. 
Uh, if, we, if we just have really good programs and say, well, we need this ministry or that ministry and we need church on Sundays and throw this in there on occasion, all that stuff will be fine and we will be able to maintain to a certain degree, but we will not see what God wants to do until we understand the intercession thing and we learn how to pray effectively and pray specifically. You know, we was at prayer meeting last night and one of the questions I asked was everybody giving me at least everybody give me at least one request that you have. Because, and the reason I ask that is because you have to sometimes stir yourself to ask yourself, what am I praying about specifically? And if I don't have anything, why and what should I be praying about? What should I be? Because pray- I, I, I should be praying about something. But the question is, I, I may not I may not know. But if I were to press in, I guarantee you God would give me something specific to pray about if I were to lean in to what he really wanted to do. So let me read something. This, this guy named Walter Wink, which is a really cool name. If I have like a second son, I'll probably name him that, Walter Wink Bishop. But, uh, but he said this. He said, intercessory prayer is spiritual defiance of what is in the way of what God has promised. He said, intercession visualizes an alternative future to the one that is apparently faded by the momentum of the current forces. Prayer infuses the air of a time yet to be into the suffocating atmosphere of the present. History belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying intercessory prayer is you getting pretty much mad about the fact that it's currently the way that it is. And you getting defiant and say, this ain't what God said it was going to be like. And so since God didn't say it's not going to be like that, we are coming against this in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're saying no to this. And we're beginning to pray and press in against that. And we're visualizing what it looks like when God finally gets a hold of stuff. And you start getting that in your mind. You start getting a, a mental image of this is what, what, does God want, what does God want to do in my family? What does God want to do over our, in our church? What is he, like, sometimes I, just, I get in here and I walk around and I start to visualize, God, what do you actually want to do? And sometimes when I don't see that, and you, and you guys would be the same way, when you're not seeing it happen, what, do, what happens? You get very discouraged. And this is why, this is why, and I, I'm, I, t- I, t- I tell you, I battle discouragement just like, the, just like the next person. Like, I battle it. I wonder sometimes. I'm, sometimes I'm ready to throw in the towel. My good buddy Doug Abner sent me a message today. He said, he, he said Clay, be encouraged. You just need to suck it up. <laughs> he, said, he said, God's called you to pastor. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Probably won't be fun, but you just need to suck it up. <laughs> I said, thanks, Doug. That's really encouraging. <laughs> but he, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. And, and sometimes you do just have to suck it up. But the other thing is, is Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. What's he saying? He's saying there's a potential for you to lose heart because you pray and you believe and you do the right stuff and everybody else ain't doing jack and you get discouraged and you say, forget this, man. I've been putting my effort in. I've been putting my time in. I've been doing what I need to do and nothing changes and nobody listens. And, there, and, there, and, and that, start, that bitterness starts to get in there. And what does it do? It affects your intercession. And, and that's the thing. You cannot allow what your experiences are to affect your prayer life. And, and, I, and it's, it's a difficult thing because I've done it. I have, I've done it. I've allowed my experiences to absolutely put my prayer life 
I, I've, been in, I've been in seasons spiritually where things didn't go the way I want. And I, I don't know if it was like I got a little bit rebellious or whatever, but I was just like, it don't work no way. I ain't going to pray. You know, and I didn't come out and say that, but it was what was in my heart. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and what you need to understand is, is that you, you're engaged in warfare and, and you, don't know, you don't know what's at work in those resisting. What we do know is that based on Scripture, Jesus has taught when you intercede, there must be persistence, there must be perseverance because you don't fully understand what's going on in the Spirit. And sometimes even things like fasting need to be added to it. Sometimes it has to get very intense. There has to be a real prevailing in it, a, a strong sense of just radical prayer. And the truth is, man, used to people did some radical stuff. We, we think it's radical when we pray 25 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Man, it's, we got radical this morning. I woke up and spent 20 minutes in a devotional. Well, yeah, you're awful radical. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus just spent all night in prayer to God before he picked his 12 disciples and 40 days and 40 nights without eating in the wilderness. And I'm not saying that you, you've got to do that. What I'm saying is you've got to be led by the Spirit without getting distraught because you feel like you've been radical. I talked to a guy one time and he said, man, I, 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 I've done it all. I've given God everything. I've been, I've been sold out and he didn't come through for me. Well, I know that's a lie because if we're sold out and we do everything, God's going to come through because he's not a liar like we are. So he's going to come through. But, but we, have to, we, have to, we have to push in and we have to envision that future that God has and begin to pull it into the present. That's what intercession does. Ephesians uh, chapter 6, 17 and 18, Paul, he, he lists the, uh, he lists the uh, armor of God in Ephesians 6. And he comes to the end of it. And in verse 17, 18, he says, And take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And right there in the Greek language, there's a word there. It's dia. But it means by means of or through. So he says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, by means of praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and being watchful to this end with all per perseverance and supplication for all saints. So two times, right, that he's saying that you praying always and being watchful with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So he's saying part of spiritual warfare and having the sword of the Spirit means that you're always praying in the Spirit and all, with all kinds of prayer, and you're always persevering for all the saints. And when you're praying like that, the sword of the Spirit, the, the rhema word of God is activated in your life. And one of the things that you begin to know is you start to know how to pray. That's part of what the sword of the Spirit is. It is a now word for a moment that you speak into a moment. But not only that, it's you know how to pray. So look, let me tell you all a crazy story real quick. You ready for this? So, so I, I might have told somebody this. I can't remember. So the other day, and sometimes this happens to me in a weird way. It's happened to me before. It actually happened to me with Donald Sims. I didn't know who Donald Sims was, and the Lord put his name into my spirit. I started praying about it. Matter of fact, I asked Barb for his number. That was years back. But, you know, I got, I got his number off Barb, and I still never called him because I didn't even know what the dude looked like. I'd never met him. I'd only heard of him. And I got his number, and that was when I was pastoring in Barberville. But I, but I knew God was speaking to me about him, and I didn't, wasn't sure what it was. And I knew God was getting ready to move me. And so I started praying about it. And I just started praying about it. I said, Lord, what's up with this? What's up with this? And sure enough, we were, 
Andre and I were on vacation and, and a guy sent me a text message. said, hey, you don't know me. This is Donald Sims. I'd like to talk with you. One thing led to another. One thing led to another and, uh, and I ended up here. So I believe, you know, God's probably placed me here. I tried to quit yesterday, but I'm still here. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe. Uh, but again, so the other, a couple of weeks ago, there were, and you, you guys may know this guy. I didn't know him. There was this name, and I don't know if I read it somewhere or if it got dropped in. Or I'm trying not to be super spiritual, so I'm going to assume I read it somewhere. Uh, but his name was Alistair Petrie. Okay, and I'd never, I'd never heard of him. So I had, that, I had that in my heart, and I went and met with Chris Highfield. Y'all know Chris. He did the last lab night. I went and met with him, and, and I, was talk, I was just talking with him, and, he, and we were talking about all kinds of different stuff we were eating. And he said, he said, man, Bob over here, he's been listening to some guy named Alistair Petrie. And I said, hey, hold up. Say that name again. He said, Alistair Petrie. I said, I had that name on my mind this morning. He said, well, he's some guy. He said, I think he, went, he came to Clay County or something. So I came back. I had a meeting with Donald for a minute. We talked about some things. I said, man, who's Alistair Petrie? He said, well, he came down to, he's been down here to Clay County. He's like, he's like originally from Ireland. He lives in Canada. And, and so then, so I, I get done meeting with him. I go up to the gym. I'm about to work out a little bit, you know. I put my headphones on. I get on the podcast. I say, boy, I'm going to look this Alistair Petrie up. Now, mind you, I have just had a conversation with Chris Highfield and Donald, and I'm just like, man, I, 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 I'm struggling in my mind about things. Because, when, 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 listen, when God's wanting to do something in your life, you know what? The devil's going to resist that. He's going to put alternative thoughts because he's trying to push you against that. And not only that, I believe that when we talk about the, 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 current, the spiritual forces and the spiritual currencies, sometimes he don't even have to actually come to you because it's already in the air, if you will. Does that make sense? The, the devil don't even have to show up sometimes because it's already in the wind, if that makes sense. And so... And it can get in the wind of a church. You realize that. It can get right here in the church. If, if, if one of us begins to catch that wind and we speak it out of our mouth, it begins to infect somebody else. And all of a sudden you got a whole church that is going in a direction and a current that is contrary to the spirit of God. And when people aren't praying, you have no protection. So you're just blown about by this wind tossed by a terrible attitude because people aren't praying. So I said, man, I don't even know if 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 like Manchester I mean, really, like the Lord has sent me to Manchester. He grazed me here and he sent me here and now he wants me to do, do a good work. I said, I'm lucky when I can get 50 people to show up at church on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? How, am I go how are we actually going to see a, a, a community? I know people love revival talk, but, 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 but seriously, I, I, I'm not interested in talking about it. In my lifetime, I want to see something happen. And that's basically what I said. And I said, and if it's not going to happen, then I'll be honest with you, I'm not really interested in doing it. Because I don't want to go through this thing and 20 years from now, 30 years from now, say, you know what? We just sort of maintained. It was a good time. You know, we just, you see what we was at in 2019, that's 2039. It's pretty much the same. Like, can you imagine that? If I get to that, I'm going to be upset. Because I didn't get into this thing, man, for nothing to happen. I didn't get into this thing to see that, oh, well, we're just maintaining and having church. Forget that. I'll burn the place down before we go there. 
We get 10 years in that and we ain't changed nothing. I'm burning it down, son. <laughs> and I'll take the consequences. I'll go to prison. I'll preach the gospel there. <laughs> oh, man, that's good preaching there. Somebody said, this guy's crazy. All that was a joke. All that was a joke. Disregard. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel, though. See, this is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. I don't even know where I was at now. Huh? Alistair Petrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put Alistair Petrie on. and there, Now, he doesn't have a podcast, but there were like five different churches that had him on there. So they came up, and I just randomly selected one. And this guy introduces him with an Australian accent because he's preaching in Sydney, Australia. I say, well, I'll listen to this. This will be cool. And he starts entering into this message. And I kid you not, three minutes into the message, after this stuff has been going on in my mind, three minutes into the message, he says, you know, we, 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 we go all over the world and we look at different things. And, and, he, and he's preaching this in 2016. He said, we go all over the world and we look at different places where God's hand is moving and we try to report that to different people. He said, because I used to be in broadcasting and in the news they won't tell you this stuff. And he says, so I want to be a person that tells you what God's actually doing in the world. And he said, we usually don't expose any place or, or, or say any, any, any place specifically. And he's, talking, he's in Australia, in Sydney, preaching to Australians. And he said, but one place that God really has his finger on, and he said that we talk about is Manchester, Kentucky. I said, What? I about rebuked it. I said, I, don't be giving no encouragement up in here. But, but, but it was like, it was, so God dropped that in my heart. Then he confirmed it with a second word. And then finally, when I went to check it out, he confirmed it with three minutes into a message. A dude preaching in Sydney, Australia says God's going to do something in Manchester, Kentucky. But what, what, so as I begin to pray about that, the Lord deals with me and says, yes, Clay, my hand is on Manchester, Kentucky, because if I do something there, what could actually happen? What, what, what could actually happen? I mean, th th this is a place that, 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 I mean, look, nobody would expect anything good really to happen. But what happens when God actually starts to move and do something here? But the Lord dealt with me and he said, but it won't happen if you don't partner with me. And it won't happen if you can't get everybody else to partner with me as well. And I mean, now there's like 20 of us here right now. Now, and honestly, I feel like saying that to, you know, a loudspeaker. I wish I could just interrupt people watching their TV tonight and say that. But if we don't partner with him and we don't understand how to partner with him, it's not going to happen. And that's, that's, that's what I feel. That's what I sense that the Lord was saying to me is, yeah, I do have my hand upon. I want to do something. But you all are going to have to learn to partner with me now. You get this persevering prayer in Ephesians 6. Do you know that, that the, they actually got, he got the armor of God, Paul did, from Isaiah 59, because it talks about the armor of God in Isaiah 59. And there's a verse in there that's really interesting. If you read Isaiah 59, uh, it talks about um, just how bad a shape they're in, really. Uh, and in verse 14, he says, Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar off. Truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. In other words, even the people who are repenting and turning to God, they just become a prey for the wickedness to go after them and take them out. 
There's no protection for them when they do turn to do the right thing. And it, notice what it says. Then the Lord saw it and it dis displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. So basically what he's saying is he sees all this evil in the land and God looks at it and he is actually in amazement that there is no person who will intercede and stand in the gap for what's going on in their, in their, in their city, in their community, in their culture. Can you imagine that? I, I, I bet right now that God is in amazement. And I'm not trying to say that. I mean, you guys, like, I can't say as a word of condemnation to you guys. You guys are the, you know, the hungriest people we got. You show up on a Thursday night to something called a lab night. Like everybody else is like, that sounds weird. We ain't going. You know? But you guys show up. But, but, but still, it does not change the fact that God wonders that there's not an intercessor that will stand in the gap on behalf of what's actually taking place in the land. Like people aren't even burdened that people uh, are, are in severe bondage and people aren't even burdened and a lot of times we're not seeing anybody get saved. People aren't even burdened that when we pray for the sick right now they're not getting healed. People aren't even burdened that people have serious issues and we're not seeing breakthrough in a lot of these serious issues and, and, and it's, it's just not even a burden to them. It's more of a burden for them to actually come to church events and pray with, pray with the church, pr pray with their people. It's more of a burden to do that than it is to see the world in the condition that it's in. And that's when you know that you're in a very unhealthy place spiritually. Right? And I'm just saying this because it's true. I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, make people feel terrible or anything, but it's, it's the situation that we're in. And... If you go on and you read this, and it says, Therefore his, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to the deeds he will repay. Uh, let me move on now. Uh, it says, notice in verse 19, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And verse 21 says, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord. So when Paul says, here's the spiritual armor, and then he gets to the end and he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. What is that? It's God saying right there, I've made this covenant. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. You're going to pray my words out. You're going to speak my words out. And then when you do that, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord is going to raise a standard up against it. There's going to be a prayer covering. There's going to be a protection. I believe that as a church, if we learn to intercede, there will be a prayer covering. People say, well, the more you pray, the more closer you get to God, the further you go in, the more devils you face. Yeah, but guess what? You beat those devils that you face. I mean, who said the devils was going to win when you face bigger ones? They say higher levels, higher devils. Who cares? They've all been defeated. Give us the higher ones. We'll beat them too in the name of the Lord. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing is that we have to get to the place where we're willing to push as far as it goes. Yeah, there's going to be resistance, but there's always victory if you don't give up. And then when there's victory and you've chosen to persevere, then, then people start getting saved and the joy that comes as a result of that because you're seeing breakthrough and transformation, who cares what you had to go through? You may have had to go through some labor and pain to get there, but there's something that happens. Now, this word intercessor, he wondered that there was no intercessor. The word intercessor is this word pagah, and it means to encounter, to reach, 
to make contact or to strike the mark. Job uses the same word talking about lightning. He said he covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. Pagah, same word for intercession. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that goes out from his mouth. Lightning is a very interesting analogy for prayer. And the reason being is because in its basic form, lightning is an energy transfer for an energy transfer from heaven to earth. So he talked about lightning hitting the mark being the same word for intercession. So imagine that. God sends lightning. What does lightning do? It's an energy transfer from heaven to earth. That's what happens when intercession takes place. When true intercession takes place, we contact God. There's a power source released from heaven to earth and it strikes the mark that you've been praying for. That's what the word intercession means in, in the Hebrew language. And so we have, to, we have to learn to do that. But the second verse, he says, listen closely to the thunder of his voice. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice. So we're praying like Jesus, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in he heaven. But here's what I want you to understand is there's a thing called, well, I, don't know what, I don't know if it's called this or not, honestly. It's not like it's, uh, I guess you would call it like prophetic intercession. And what that means is, is that, when you pray, you're not just bringing your stuff to God, but you're praying and you're learning to allow God to give his heart to you. And you come to prayer to contact God and say, God, what are you praying? What do you want? Because I'm here not to pray my stuff. I'm not praying to you, God. I'm praying with you. And that's what Jesus is looking for. He said, no longer do I call you servants because a servant does not know what his master is doing. He said, I call you friends because everything that my father has revealed to me, I've shown to you. And I'm now inviting you into that same relationship so that whatever you ask in my name, you will receive that your joy may be full. So that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm inviting you into a friendship where you don't have to pray to me and come up with your own prayers. Come to me. I'll share with you what I want done in the earth. And when I share with you what I want done in the earth, things will start to happen. Things will start to change. So we're praying then with what God wants done. There's a, there's a story in Leviticus 10. You guys ever heard of Nadab and Abihu? Again, a couple more sons. Nadab, Abihu. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but I like it. But Nadab and Abihu, they were priests, and they were to offer, but, but they brought strange fire before the Lord and the Lord killed them for it in Leviticus. Somebody said, well, that's awful harsh. Well, it could have been, but bringing strange fire, the Lord was awful harsh. They shouldn't have done that. The point being though is, is that there, there is a prescription that God gives us and I don't get, for example, you know, the Bible says this, you have not because you ask not. It means you need to be asking for stuff. You have not because you ask not. You're not asking me for any of these things. But then he says, but you ask and do not receive because when you ask, you're asking for stuff that you could consume upon your own lusts and desires. In other words, you need to ask, but real work, listen to this, real worship, real prayer, real intercession is not birthed in my heart. It's birthed in God's heart. I receive it and I respond back to him. It's his fire coming and lighting me, and I send that same fire back to him. 
In other words, the best intercession is not me bringing my complaints to God saying, God, look at the world. He already knows. He wants to do more than you want to do. It's you coming to God and say, God, how do you see this situation? What do you want to do? And he sends that fire on you and you offer that fire back up to him because you're saying, God, I don't have to change your mind. You're trying to change mine. God, I'm not trying to change God's mind. He wants, heaven to, he wants earth to look like heaven. That's his goal. And he's going to fulfill it in Christ. Until the Bible says, until the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's what we're entering into at some point when Jesus comes back. He's saying, I want that to begin to happen through you. Will you agree with me? Will you pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Will you pray that? We pray this with me. And come into agreement with me. See, we have to break agreement with the demonic forces and come into agreement with God. Break agreement with the demonic forces and come into agreement with God. And that's why in your daily life, it's so important. You're not going to pray effectively until you've broken agreement with the demonic forces in your personal life and you've come into agreement with God in your personal life. When that is a reality in your personal life, you're lined up to now come to God and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. What do you want to do around me? Who can I pray for? Who do you want to reach out to? Who do you want to see saved? And I begin to receive God's burden because he wants to see something done, see something change. See, we read 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 15. He says, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their, from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. In other words, he's saying, look, I want to heal the land, but see, if you don't come into agreement with me through prayer and humble yourselves and turn from your wicked ways, I'm, I've actually barred myself from healing your land. The only way land gets healed is if the people who live in the land <laughs> respond to God and come into agreement with him. It's not, it's not like, boys, let's just keep doing what we're doing and hope the land gets healed. No. The lamb will get healed when the people turn and they pray and they call upon God. And so there's dozens of passages. I'm not, even, I'm not going to go into them all. Let me read one to you in Ezekiel 22. I could take you over and over and over again. You read, you read in the book of Exodus, Moses. But God, matter of fact, God one time said, Moses, step back. I'm killing them all. I'm starting over with you. And Moses, what does Moses do? He stands in the gap. And I believe to some degree God was trying to teach him that. God was trying to, I believe God would have been upset if Moses would have said, all right, Lord, kill him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think the Lord would have said, oh, he kind of missed the point there. Um, but Moses says, no, Lord, if you're going to blot their names out, blot my name out too. God was giving him an intercessor's heart and God changed his mind and said, all right, I allow them to go in. I allow them to go into the land. So Moses was stepping in, in, standing in the gap for the people, and it was actually it didn't change Moses. It, it was changing the effect of what was actually going to happen. Your prayers legitimately change things. Every day they legitimately change things. I would just say this: I think it would be interesting if God would give a, give us a glimpse of what our lives would be like if we had never prayed. I bet mine would be some sick, nasty stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like it just would not be good. So imagine what you've already done through the prayers you have prayed in pushing back evil. I imagine if you hadn't prayed, you definitely wouldn't be here. There'd be things going on in your life you wish hadn't happened. But because you have prayed, you've, you've, you've fought that battle. And there's, there's more battles to be fought. In Ezekiel 22, God goes over some of the sins that he was judging Israel for. He says they, they, there's extortion, there's robbery, there's oppressing the poor and the needy and mistreating the foreigner by denying them justice. And then Ezekiel 22, verse 29, uh, 30, 31, 
He says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. In other words, the wrath of God in the New Testament, it's really a handing over to a person's ways. He says, yeah, I delivered them up. I handed them over. And the reason being is, is because God, as a righteous and just God, he must, he must give you what you do. Right. He's, he's going to give you your free will. What choices you make come. And he said, I looked for somebody that would stand in the gap and say, Lord, have mercy on these people. And he said, but I found none. And because I found none, I actually had to bring about justice. You understand that? He's, his mercy triumphs over his judgment. He's far more merciful. And, and in the end, guess what? Because he found no intercessor, if you notice what it said in Isaiah, because the, he wondered that was, there was no intercessor, then what happened? His own arm brought him salvation. That means that he sent Jesus and Jesus became our intercessor. Now that right there will preach for hours upon hours if I just preach that. Because he said, I found no intercessor. I couldn't find anybody to stand in the gap. So I'm going to come down and I'm going to stand in the gap for you. And he sent Jesus. Now that's amazing in itself. Like I said, that'll preach all day. And he's still, and right now he's standing at the right hand of God the Father, interceding on our behalf, saying, Lord, give them more time. Hang in there. There's more still to be saved. I, I paid with my blood. There's still more to be set free. There's still more to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're going to pray. They're going to seek your face. I'm praying for them right now, Father. There's, I'm, my spirit is moving in them. I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to strengthen them. You know, I mean, he's right now interceding on our behalf. And, but see, we got this free will. We got a decision to make to come into this. And so he's looking, he's looking for someone to stand in the gap, but he often finds none. And so we've got to persist in prayer in the authority of Christ and enforce this victory through prayer. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a few moments here, and we're just, we're just going to pray a few things together, Okay. And uh, I want you just for a moment, you can write this down or you don't have to, but I'm going to ask you this question and then we can, we can pray it together. But I want you to take a moment and just ask the Lord what he would have you to pray for. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, what is on your heart? Who do you want me to pray for? What situation do you want me to pray for? See if he drops something because, we, you know, we've been practicing this as far as like the hot seat. We, we want a word from the Lord, but right now we're just asking a word for the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to pray for? 